Next on BYUSN, can the Cougars follow a fellow Big 12 team's plan for success and do so in the immediate future? Plus a look at the defensive line from spring ball. Head coach Glenn Sitake and Kelly Papinga weigh in. Are they ready to rock for the Big 12? We're always ready to rock. Is that ever in question? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, March 20th. Happy spring, everyone. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who I believe still has a few teams left in his bracket playing in the NCAA tournament, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, th what did I, I don't even know what I got. I think I got half or something. Uh, you know, my, in my family, we all have the brackets up on the wall and every one of our champs are out. So uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna be okay. I, I don't care about my bracket. I don't care about fantasy football that much. I enjoy watching the games more than the sort of uh, stuff around it, although uh, the show is a stuff around it, which I enjoy. But yeah, it's all good. Uh, March Madness is fun. I'd rather see a team upset than have my bracket succeed. I, I, I don't know if money on the line. I'm okay. I feel like you're not alone. A lot of people, once that first day is over and they realize, oh man, I'm in big trouble, at that point it just becomes, hey, what's the craziest thing that could possibly happen? Yeah, and seeing uh, FDU take down Purdue was awesome. Not, oh no, I had Purdue and the whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Uh, Princeton in the Sweet 16. Awesome. It's incredible. That's right? great. Um, no scholarship players on their team. Princeton can do it, and, and BYU needs the National Player of the Year. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, can, can we just figure this out uh, to, to pull off one of these miracle uh, things? <laughs> Although BYU would never be a 15 seed, right? Lowest they were ever was a, a 14. But on today's show, uh, transfer portal and BYU hoops, speaking of, how much of the portal is needed for success? soon in the Big 12. We'll discuss my one-on-one -on -one with defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga and Jamal Williams is of course hilarious in his opening press conference in New Orleans. We'll play some sound from that. Here are today's headlines. Beginning with BYU football taking advantage of finally some nicer weather in the Provo, Utah area. They moved things outside on Friday. Coaches enjoyed a defensive uptick on the defensive line specifically. Coach Sotake says the practices have been more physical this spring, and that's by design. We've been really, really physical. Did a lot of tackling on Monday, and then a lot of tackling today. So quite a bit of live work, even with the ones, probably more than what we've done in the past. But um, I, I think it's a good look for, for our guys to get used to this, this style of defense. Um, and then also for what we want to accomplish in the run game, you know, we, we, have, to, we have to get out there and, and make it live in some situations. BYU football continues their spring practice through this week. The spring scrimmage approaches in under two weeks. Walk-on forward Braden Moore enters the transfer portal, uh, more redshirted this season, and uh, we wish the best of luck to Braden. Second BYU basketball player to leave, correct? No scholarship player so far. There you go. BYU women's basketball falls to Rice 71-67 in the first round of the WNIT. Lauren Gustin, another dynamite performance. 20 points, 20 rebounds, two assists. Nani Falatea also scored 20 points, had four rebounds and five assists, but the Cougars could not overcome a 10-0 deficit to open the game. Baseball beat LMU on the road Friday 8-0, then lost Saturday 10-9, dropped 6-12 overall, 1-2 in WCC play. Cougars host Utah Valley tomorrow at 8 Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Bad weather forecasted all week, so we'll see what baseball and softball games we get in. Uh, yeah, and speaking of softball, they win their home opener. Finally, again, taking advantage of some nicer weather over the weekend. Got to go to St. George to do that. <laughs> they beat up on Idaho State in the doubleheader, 10-1 in the first game. 
Second game, 12-0. I know, it's baseball or softball. How dare you? Crossing my lines with the soccer terminology. Up next for BYU softball, weather permitting, they host Boise State, 7 Eastern, live on the BYU TV app tomorrow. Defending national champ Ashton Reiner Lunt won the javelin competition at the Cardinal Classic Saturday at Stanford. Jessica Thomas, uh, Breckel Gamel, and Mary DeGraffenried all finishing top five for the Cougars. The men won four events as well, 400 meter hurdles, three, uh, the steeplechase, which is always 3,000 meters, javelin, and discus. BYU Gymnastics, strong finish. They take second with a 196.575 in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Championships, one of their better team scores of the year. Four different Cougar women win all-conference honors. Sydney Benson, 2023 Cobalt Specialist of the Year. Elise Rollins, Beam Specialist of the Year. Anissa Alvarado, All-MRGC Second Team on Bars. And Kylie Equinto is the Freshman of the Year. She's got a huge future at BYU. All-MRGC First Team Vault as well. On to regionals where the Cougars I believe we'll be in a play-in scenario and face Penn State. Women's tennis beat Cal Poly 5-2. Freshman Tina Lee won her singles matchup to improve to 11-2 on the season. The men's team lost to Texas Tech Friday and Oregon Saturday. How about some former Cougar hoop stars doing work in the pros? Beginning with Elijah Bryan, he had 10 points, 6 rebounds and 6 assists and his team's lost. Who'd and, they lose to again? Um, it's spelled... <laughs> Boyakamichi. <laughs> There's a lot of accent marks in there that I don't understand. Boyakamichi. I assume I it's no, a Turkish team. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Eric Mika <laughs> for the G League Ignite, 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists in a loss against the Stockton Knights. Not bad for the Bill Lame Beer of the G League. That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible cop. I hate it. <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. This, this transfer portal is super complicated. So many different factors will come into play. Uh, it's free agency every year, right? So we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll, we'll kind of play day by day as we figure this out. What's Trending presented by BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. And we do this show day by day. We often are also trying to figure things out. Right along with BYU men's basketball and head coach Mark Pope. Now, perhaps there's a lesson to be learned from a future Big 12 opponent for BYU, specifically Kansas State, who were picked to finish last in the Big 12, and all nine of their players who played this season, or I should say in the game that they lost to Gonzaga last night, were transfer sorry no, i'm not sorry i meant to tcu kansas state's moving on to the sweet 16 but jerem with four out of the five starters being new to k-state this year how does byu manage that and do they need to rely heavily on the transfer portal for early success in the big 12. certainly the transfer portal will weigh into the success of byu uh, in every school because a transfer is ready to go versus the typical freshman and for byu if that freshman happens to be a return missionary it takes some time for them to be ready. Certainly, Dallin Hall was pretty exceptional as a freshman this year. He is not uh, the rule. He is an exception in that conversation. Typically, it takes about a year and a half for that player to kind of get back. In basketball, maybe a little different because you can actually play that sport, at least on a half court, on a mission, whereas you can't really train in football in the same way. You can lift weights and run, but you're not like actively practicing and playing in the same way. The, but what, what, what's BYU's unique recruiting advantage here? 
it's with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who happen to have an interest in BYU and want that BYU and Honor Code experience. BYU has the number one route to those kids in the world. That should be a big part of what BYU does in recruiting. I do have some concern that BYU didn't sign anyone out of high school um, in the fall. because I, And it doesn't have to necessarily do with next year. It has to do with two, three, four, five years down the road. Um, if, if BYU is all in transfer portal, I'm not sure that it's going to yield the success that we're hoping for because BYU's foundation, in my opinion, needs to be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who want to be here. Certainly, that's the majority of the student population and, uh, you know, athletically, whatever. I don't really care where they come from uh, necessarily, but I do think a balance is needed of good athletes who are members of the church and then great people who want to be at BYU as well. And we're seeing that with the likes of Fu, Satiki, Alex Barcelo, Matt Harms, Brandon Avery in the past that come from all walks of life, which is great. They contribute to BYU athletically. They contribute in the people who they are. I love having uh, Fus, who's a Muslim from Africa, bring something different to BYU. I love that Fus is here. But if BYU is all in on the transfer portal only, I think that's not going to yield the results that BYU wants because sometimes you miss on the transfer portal. BYU's um, lack of success this year had a little bit to do with that, right? You didn't have the same kind of transfer portal class that you had in previous years. That's not to say that those guys weren't good at times. They just weren't good enough to get BYU at least to the NIT. They're probably just a couple of games away. But I think a balance of those two things is required. I'm concerned with BYU down the road not having and not signing anyone out of high school concerns me. Jake Walleen will come back from a mission mm -hmm. and he'll be on the team. But again, I don't think BYU can ever think, okay, we're going to be a tourney team relying on a return missionary first year back. I just think it's dangerous physically. So how, you know, is, is K-State uh, different than BYU? Absolutely. They, th those are not comparable. I would also argue that uh, a bunch of the Sweet 16 teams probably had guys that they recruited out of high school that have contributed. Well, Kansas State has teams. a new head coach, too, and so understandably there was some turnover there, and so they kind of by necessity had to rely more heavily on the transfer portal. It's worked out, though, beautifully. Right. It did for them. But that, to me, that's not going to work in, uh, for BYU. It, it might in the short term. But, like, what was the 1920 class? It wasn't a bunch of transfers. It was... Uh, one year in their first year or even second year, it was Yoli, TJ, and Jake came back. They had a right? core. They had a core. That had been built up from their freshman years. You have to have a core. And certainly BYU has a core going into next year, and you can amplify it with transfers. I'm not worried about next year, per se. I'm talking about two, three, four years down the road. If you cease to sign anybody out of high school, I, I think you don't lay that sort of foundation uh, of what BYU has access to the most, which is members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who can ball? And why can't we good, be good at hoops without a church? We have churches in the uh, gyms in the churches. We should be a balling school and, and nation here. Let's go. Now, just to clarify one thing on, on your side, are you saying that you want uh, a number of high school recruits every single recruiting season? Yes. See, I feel like BYU is so young, and they brought in so many contributing freshman last year that they can probably afford to take this year off knowing that Jake Walleen's going to come off a mission. And then Colin Chandler's still out there. He's another full season away, but there are two young guys there. But I feel like, I mean, you already have Dallin Hall, Richie Saunders, Tanner Toulson. And if you're bringing in Jake Walleen, 
Don't you feel like those four would cover at least for one year? That's assuming they stay at BYU, Spence. Anybody can and, transfer and any am. year. I'm going that, to assume until they're not that, that they are here. That's, but we can assume that people will leave. Sure. Because that's what happens. I don't believe BYU, that any of those three guys are years, leave. and hopefully not, it, but we don't know. In three years, who is, who is the dude coming off a mission that's going to be the Dallin Hall? BYU didn't uh, sign anybody. Colin Chandler? No, in three years. That's two years. In three years, who's that and guy? And my point is they don't need that guy if you have four or five young return missionary guys that are already there. You need that guy sitting there in the wings, not At having, to play, point, a bi- yes. like not point, having yeah. to play a big role. At some point, you do need that guy. I'm just saying I feel like because there is four now here, that give me a couple each year. I feel like those four can accommodate for these two years. As far as the transfer portal goes, every year is going to be different. It's a moving target. Some years, you're going to need three or four guys out of the transfer portal. Other years, you might only need one key piece if your core develops and is really good, which is what you're getting at. Like, hey, let's develop the guys. Let's bring them off missions. Let's get the guys out of high school and just build them up. And then you only need like one piece or two pieces. That's not going to happen with this staff. They're going to rely but more heavily on the transfer It's a portal. moving target. Yep. And this staff has shown us that they're going to go probably heavier that way sure. and go after three or four guys in the transfer portal each year. If it works... Great, but you have to have that core. I'm concerned about three yeah. years from now. And we do need to give credit to Mark Long Pope and his term. staff where credit is due, which is the first two years they were here, they hit some home runs in the transfer portal. Uh, first three years. Right? Yep. They hit some home runs in the transfer portal, but... Didn't la- didn't as much Because left. we're stuck in the recency bias and we're frustrated about the last season. It's like, whoa, the transfer portal's not the answer! It's not the full answer. It's the immediate answer. Part of the answer, though. Yeah. It's L- part of the answer. Like, yeah, what, what if... You have to have both. I, and I'm just I'm I'm concerned that it's too transfer portal heavy. Yeah, that that's tough, right? Because but if it works out, then nobody's going to care if it's too transfer portal heavy. We just care now because right. it wasn't as good as it has been in the recent past. I, I just I'm concerned about the coin three years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Topic some two. Football. Friday, Kalani Stocky said he's impressed with the aggressive play on the defensive line this spring. Yeah, I think Sione Paul has done a great job with the interior D-line. Um, you know, obviously being disruptive and getting in the backfield. Um, I know you guys saw the end of practice, and that was stopping the run. It all starts with those guys in the inside, and uh, K-Pop's doing a great job with the D-ends. And so um, you know, when you get that done, it starts up front first and then, and then, and then makes the job easier for the backers. Okay, uh, after last season, certainly questions about the defense. You mentioned the defensive line being the position with the most questions mm-hmm. that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel still feel that way? Yes, until I watch the BYU defensive line play in an actual football game and see something change. So week three against Arkansas? <laughs> hey, I'll take anything, even the first two games, because frankly the defensive line was not superb even against lesser opponents last season where we thought, oh, they're going to have you know, a significant advantage against the likes of a down Utah State team, or even Wyoming. BYU struggled to get to the quarterbacks in those scenarios. BYU struggled to get to Liberty's quarterback when they had question marks on their own offense. They played line. like three of them. None of didn't get to any of them. It's kind of weird, right? And so, yeah, you got to get better if you want to take on Power 5 competition, but the question marks will remain until I see with my own eyes the defensive scheme pan out and BYU put more – do what the coaches say they're going to do – and be way more aggressive up front and have more stunting blitzes, bring linebackers into the mix that should open up some of those defensive ends to get around if you've got to account for more linebackers blitzing. When that happens, 
then I say, okay, things have changed. Things are better. And while BYU is going to be more aggressive, they're going to give up some bigger plays over the top. That's fine. But now the question doesn't solely just exist with the defensive line. It's, you know, you can focus on other things. But right now, until I see that position group be more aggressive and have more sacks, Jerem, I mean, I thought I was conservative last year when I said BYU was going to have 16 sacks over the season. They didn't even hit that mark. I I need to see more. I want to see at least 20 from this defensive line group moving forward into the Big 12. They have to have more pressure from those guys. Until I see it, that's where the question mark remains. Yeah, it'll be like halfway through the year, honestly, before we really know. Uh, Because if they do it through the first two games, it's like, well, was it because he played Sam Houston in Southern Utah? Like, what is it when you play... Uh, upper echelon uh, Big 12 teams, you know. And, and sacks are part of the conversation. I, I think it's about havoc. Because if BYU doesn't have sacks, but they're getting a lot of takeaways, that's okay. You're just, just yeah. trying to uh, create opportunities. You're trying to get off the field. You're trying to switch the field. Da, da, da. Yeah, defensive line specifically is interesting. John Nelson, by the way, has moved to defensive tackle uh, for men, which is interesting. I like that move for him. He's, he's kind of an undersized D tackle, but he can move really well for a D tackle now suddenly. So Jackson Cravens, Naisamahe, Caden Haas, some of the more experienced guys in the tackles. On the ends, you like Tyler Batty, of course. Continue to develop him. He's Isaiah, the vet. Isaiah Banya is supposed to be a baller. Um, uh, Isaiah Moe and Bodie Schoonover are uh, guys in their second seasons who are kind of linebacker types who are, will be quicker on the edge that could uh, blitz in there, Blake Mangelson and others. So, yeah, there's some, certainly some names, some talent in there. I think BYU probably needs to bolster that group with another guy or two before we're kind of more comfortable with that spot. Linebacker, I've, I've got some questions, man. Um, obvious, oh, at linebacker. Obviously, you got Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, but there's not a ton of experience behind them. Secondary, I actually feel pretty confident, given what we know. Of course, transporter opens up, what, May 1st to 15th or something? You could suddenly get a couple of ballers and be like, boom, goes the dynamite. Oh, I'm expecting BYU to pull in three or four I'm not kidding. Three or four big, yes. some big time players yes. that will contribute immediately. That's the expectation. Absolutely. Like P5 dudes that want to be here. Secondary is pretty exciting with Eddie Heckard and Jacob Robinson as your primary cornerbacks. Micah Harper. And Malik Moore at Malik safety. Moore. Like, you yeah. you kind of look at those guys and go, hey, that's actually my position of, strongest position of experience and strength and kind of comfort in terms of what I know right now. But again, it's March 20th. Things can change very quickly. Um, either direction, hopefully positively, where BYU could bring in some real real good players. And then, again, I'm going to give Jay Hill and the staff like a year and a half before we're like, wow, this now I judge you either way. Because, mm. like, the first year, it, he doesn't have all of the guys he wants. You know what I mean? It's going to take a sec to get those guys. Hopefully the offense is where we hope it is and uh, making up for certain deficiencies at times. And vice versa. If you just have simple growth with the guys that you already have on the roster from one year to the next, you should be a little bit better. And I think that's a yeah. fair expectation. At, le- at least a little Banya, bit. Batty, Cravens, Nelson. That's the core of your defensive line right there. Yeah. A couple of transfers. I like that. And a couple of vets. Get some de- depth at different yes. positions. Yep, build that yeah, build Yeah, I believe those four are the core, and they should by nature of one year to the next, just get better. And hopefully Jay Hill and Sione Puha, which we've heard fabulous things about from the players about his detail-oriented approach, should make a difference. How much can Sione Puha and Jay Hill make an impact in year one? I think that it will bring about that natural progression and maybe a little bit more. Yeah, that's exciting. Our question of the day, back to basketball. How heavily does BYU need to rely on the transfer portal for early success 
in the Big 12 at the Croxall on Instagram answers, I don't care where we get players from high school, missions, or a transfer portal, BYU is one guard and one center away from realistically competing on the road. As of right now, I think BYU can defend home court, but I would feel a lot better with more guys. I tend to agree with the Croxall that BYU is two pieces in the transfer portal away. And it's probably a big man and a From ball being dominant six court. and 12. <laughs> From being like, bubblicious. Yeah, we'll, we'll two, see. Two pieces. We'll see what that looks like. Along with progression from the guys you already have. Yeah, like the core, need to add to it, need to get better. That'd be great. Okay, Friday is BYU Football's Pro Day featuring Jaron Hall, Blake Freeland, Pukun Kuhn, and others. 12 to 2 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio, live from the indoor practice facility. Up next, Jerem Jordan and Kelly Papinga. About to get swept up in a tornado? What, what's, this, what's this about? You'll see. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. There's great players here. It will be aggressive. Welcome back on a Monday. We're live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's time to talk more BYU football and what they're doing in the spring specifically. Well, after six years uh, at Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall staff and uh, last year at Boise State, hey, Kelly Papinga played BYU the last two seasons. He's back at BYU coaching the defensive ends. I talked to him after practice on Friday. All right, Kelly, uh, back at BYU. How's your uh, first spring ball back been? It feels uh, like I never left, honestly. The only, the only difference is I don't see Bronco anywhere, so I'm like one, <laughs> wondering around where Bronco is, but no, it's been awesome, man, just to be around Kalani and the rest of the coaches, learn from them, learn a kind of a different way to do things here, but there's a ton of similarities, and uh, it's just fun to, you know, I've never been around Kalani before, and, you know, a lot of these coaches and just being able to learn from him and just his process of doing it and the way that he's built his culture, it's it's a pretty awesome thing. And, and uh, you know, I'm, it, for me, it's just another opportunity to learn and grow. And, and uh, there's been, you know, I think when you're uncomfortable and you don't know things, that's the biggest time to grow. And, uh, yeah, it's been uncomfortable at times just kind of learning the new th- new system and new culture and all that, but it's been fun, man. And, uh and uh, just being out on the field today, this is our first time out on the field, being back out here. I just remember all the practices as a player and as a coach and all those memories are coming back. So it's been, it's been great, man, to be honest. The hope is previous teams, coaches, eras build on each other to continue to evolve. How has this program evolved since you left? Man, I would say uh, up front, I think we're bigger and more talented on both sides, honestly. Um, that's where I've seen the biggest difference. And, you know, I just continue to look at uh, – you know, the quarterbacks just continue to keep rolling in, you know, and that's, I think, something BYU will always have the tradition of. Um, I think with system changes, there's some edge players that we'll need to get that maybe the last scheme didn't, you know, ask to have certain type of edge players, but we'll, uh, I think we'll get that as the years go on. But I would say the, the main thing that I've just seen is just the, the culture that Kalani has, not that the culture in the past was bad, because the way that Bronco did it I thought was great as well, and everybody has a different way to do things, but you can just say, see the guys here really love and care for each other and are really out there 
um, playing for each other. And uh, it's been really fun for me to see that, and that's something Kalani emphasizes all the time, is just the love that they have for each other and for the game and to be able to show it when they come out here on the practice field. Let's unpack a few of those things. When you played at BYU and in the 2000s, BYU certainly felt like a Power 5-like program. You've been at Virginia uh, in a Power 5 league. How is BYU maybe more prepared now than they were, say, in the 2000s to be a Power 5 program? Yeah, I I look at our O-line and just – I always look at our starters here and be like, okay, we're good. But after that, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'd be a little worried. Uh, but here it just seems like we're, we're, we're deeper than we've ever been, from my perspective, at that position um, and from what I remember. And then I'd say the same, similar thing on the defensive line front is like I just think we're bigger and we, we're strong. And uh, then I look at the depth at running back. I think our depth at running back reminds me of when we were in uh, the Mountain West. I was actually thinking about like Manasse and Fui and Harvey and Curtis Brown, that crew. I mean, this crew I think is very similar to that. I, and so I guess to answer your question the best is like I just think the depth in general is better at all positions um, where back in the day I think you have a position like running backs that could be pretty stacked but there would be other positions where you were worried man if that starter went down you were like oh boy we're going to be in trouble but here I just feel like another guy's going to be able to plug in and be able to keep this thing rolling and that, that's certainly the goal and at quarterback it feels like you got as good of a guy as they possibly could have gotten in the transfer portal with Keaton Slovis coming off of Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall what have you seen from him offensively on well on the defensive side of the ball I mean, he, it's impressive man I mean the guy comes right in here and I think is picked up um, right where Jaron and, and Zach left off. Honestly, I think the guy can sling it. He's super smart. He runs way better than you think. And so, you know, all the, you know, run game stuff that they've done in the past, it's still there. I don't know if they want me to say that or not. Maybe cut that out now. But, I mean, he's he's ran the ball on us a couple times, like with QB draws and zone reads, where we're like, man, this guy runs better than we thought. And so just continue to have that weapon. And, and then you have the other guys that came in too as well. I think that, you know, we got three new quarterbacks here, and I don't think we missed on one of them. And I think uh, BYU fans are going to see that all three of those those guys throw the ball very similar to the last two guys that were the starters here. Okay, Jay Hill's been very open about the aggressive attacking mindset of this defense. Um, how, how would you sort of characterize, uh, I guess, those words or otherwise, um, kind of what this defense is going to bring to the table this season? Yeah, I think exactly what Coach Hill said. We're going to attack. We're going to be aggressive. And, and today we were working um, – a four-minute situation, meaning we're down as a defense at the end of the game. we got to stop and get the ball back to the offense. So really it's run game and just being the, the style that he was calling it, the aggressiveness of that. And then we had a third down situation the other day and just how aggressive he was in calling that and the success that he was putting our players in position to make plays. And um, different from what I've seen. You know, I've, I've kind of come from a – uh, from schemes where there's a balance of, of different things and different tempos. We're here, there's different tempos, but it seems like there's a lot more aggression. So we'll see how those things continue to be called, even in games. But it seems like, you know, he's come from that, that uh, from that other school where they're, you know, pretty aggressive with the way they call things. And, you know, I know he had that same success at Weber. Um, but just seeing how that all flows in a practice and in a game situation, you can see that this is this is an attacking style defense. We're not going to sit back and let somebody just run on us, right? We're gonna we're gonna make sure that there's there's something in their face as a quarterback, or there's multiple gaps being filled as linebackers or DNs. So you know it's really hard for a running back to be able to find a spot to pick a hole. Okay, we're talking to Kelly Papinga, defensive ends coach uh, on the BYU football team. Okay, let's talk about your group specifically. Who's in the mix and who's making progress this spring? Yeah, so Tyler Batty, uh, consistent. Uh, need to get him to continue to work in his pass rush stuff. I think 
his run game, he's very polished. He was one of the highest graded PFF players in the country last year uh, in the run game. Now got to get that complemented with a better pass rush. Um, and then Isaiah Bag uh, Bagna coming from Boise State has stepped right in and has fit right in and has been making plays all over the place. And then uh, Nuu uh, Selison. Another transfer from Weber State, but he's come right in, guy that played for Coach Hill back in the day, and he's now been here, and he knows the system, he knows the scheme, he's fit right in and done great. And then Ice Moa has done a really good job, and then uh, Blank Bagelsing as well. I would say those five guys, and Bodie Schoonover the last couple of days, man. So I think there's five or six guys right there where I feel really, really comfortable with, and there's some younger guys that need to get healthy and need to develop, but, um, and then I'm really anxious to get, um, the daily kid off of his mission, John Henry, um, John Henry because yep. I, I remember seeing him when I was at Virginia and thinking, God, I'd love to have this guy. But, you know, so that guy obviously will be, you know, um, somebody that's going to take some time just coming off a mission. But I think the position is in a really good spot um, with maybe another addition possible. We'll see how that all plays out through the portal and how we think we end up with spring. But I feel I feel really good with the top six guys right now. As the wind picks up here, is the uh, expectation that there should be more uh, a higher sack number uh, from what BYU's had in the past. Is that a fair ask, or is it the ball comes out quick sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't get sacks? Yeah, I think in the, this day and age in college football, the ball is coming out so fast, um, especially against teams like us that know that we're going to be aggressive and we're going to attack. And so um, I don't think um, – I, I call them havoc plays. Havoc mm -hmm. plays are their sacks, their QB hits, their PBUs, right? All those things fumbles that affect the fumbles, yes, interceptions, like yeah. all those things that affect a quarterback, those are the things that we're looking for. So people get so hyped up about the sack number where you got to also look at, okay, how many PBUs do we have? Because mm -hmm. if we're getting PBUs, that means the quarterback's throwing the ball probably uh, sooner than he ever wanted to. Um, if we're getting, uh, you know, quarterback hits, right? All those things affect the quarterback. Uh, we've got a miniature tornado over I know, here. Being outside, being outside is awesome. We've literally, yeah, we're going to swing to Look at this thing. <laughs> this is the first mini tornado in BYU Sports Nation history. Uh, doesn't rival the Salt Lake one in the 90s. But, but yeah, it's it's been <laughs> – trying to get back to my focus here. But hey, being outside I was awesome. Just, I, afraid, I was like thinking we are going to be the Wizard of Oz and I was going to be Dorothy <laughs> swept away right there, man. You didn't have enough courage. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I think, you know, as fans, they just got to remember. It's not always about the sack numbers. I do think they'll be bigger because we're going to be attacking more. Different, and it's just different style. But remember, there's always QB hits. There's interceptions. There's PBUs. There's all these other things that affect the quarterback that it's not always comes down to sacks. So I think the fans got to look at the whole picture. I'm just glad we did not see a chariot of fire there and uh, send in flames. That, that was crazy. Kelly, thanks for the time. Yeah, thank you. Back to the studio where there's no wind. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Got your red slippers on? Always. <laughs> Not that color. Yeah. Here, royal blue my slippers. Blue slippers. <laughs> I always appreciate Kelly Papinga. Super insightful. He's a guy that uh, is not afraid to discuss specifics. Some coaches are kind of like you know, very generic. I don't want to give any weight. He's like, Keen Slovis running the ball well. No. I love Kelly because he yep. does just give us that access and insight into what is really happening. Yeah, 15 sacks last year, not enough. Uh, BYU only gave up 13, low number, but great offensive line. So, yeah, hopefully those havoc rates go up, and uh, that's the risk-reward of an aggressive defense. And certainly I think we'd all rather go down with the ship with an aggressive defense certainly than one that kind of chips away at you. Different philosophies, and at times that works. Depends on the personnel you have, but – and he hinted uh, as much. 
And like we've mentioned, we expect BYU to be very aggressive in sure. the transfer portal with football. Well, what's the difference with football and basketball? Um, in basketball, there's so few guys, right? You can manage. We nitpick at that roster differently. Sure. You have more room to miss in football because you have 85 scholarships. Yeah, total, um, totally different. And so hopefully BYU can get a couple of uh, more weapons that certainly can and can influence BYU. And you don't sure. bring in guys in the transfer portal that you don't think are going to start or play a ton. Like, you could bring in guys in the transport that don't play a ton on the basketball team, can, potentially. Yeah. You mentioned you got some questions about the linebackers because you got Ben Bywater and Max Tooley. Not a lot of other guys played at this point. I'm going to give you a name that is – he's a standout. Isaiah Glasker has burst onto the scene through spring ball. And, I mean, you talk to the coaches. He's tall. He's 6'5". They love what Isaiah Glasker is doing. So just maybe he becomes the third or fourth linebacker for BYU this fall. But just put it on your radar. Isaiah Glasgow, that comes from several coaches that I've spoken with. So that's a new name, and I'm okay with that. He had a viral moment in last fall. He had like a one-handed catch and then uh, kind of went away. But uh, maybe this is his year, right? 14-6 and six softball team led by pitcher Case Court, top 30 in strikeouts nationally. Host Boise State tomorrow, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app, Weather Pendant. The great Jamal Williams did not disappoint in his introductory press conference with the New Orleans Saints. Who should be more worried about the Jamal impact, however? Is it his teammate, once again, Taysom Hill, or just crawfish in general? We'll explain next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Four of the Sweet 16 teams are current or future Big 12 teams in Texas, Houston, Kansas State, and Gonzaga. Mm, yes. Which of these has the best shot at winning the tournament? For me, it's Houston. I feel like Houston has all the motivation they could ever hope for to get home to the site of the Final Four. Houston, why not get to your hometown and play for and win a national championship? I feel like their length and athleticism is just a little bit better than Kansas State and Texas. I think it's the Zags, man. If you can get through uh, UCLA, you have uh, eight-seed Arkansas or four-seed UConn. Took down uh, St. Mary's, of course, about out in the second to win, it, so, to win it all. To win it all. Gonzaga's, uh, you know. If, really? If Drew, Drew Timmy is, uh, you know, as good as any player in this tournament. Man, they struggled at times and with they the have the experience in TCU from the Big 12. So they got to face somebody tougher seeds, in the Final Four. You just got to win. Yeah. Oh, Do man. seeds matter in this tournament? Like FDU won, Princeton's in the Sweet 16, FAU's in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Well, yeah, in the Sweet 16. I have Kansas State in the title game, so, yeah. Okay, so and you don't, you don't think it's Kansas State with the best shot? Well, we're talking about to win. Okay. <laughs> to win. I had okay. Baylor winning it all. Yeah. I had, or sorry, I had Kansas State in the Final Four. I had Baylor beating uh, Gonzaga in the title. Okay. And Baylor's in. So there you go. Well, all right. Creighton. How about that? How about BYU? You like the Zags. Beating yeah. Creighton. BYU men's basketball beats Creighton, a Sweet 16 team who were down their best player. But hey, still beat them. Then Creighton beat your national championship pick, Baylor, last night to get to the Sweet 16. So does this in a way mean the Cougars are a transitive Sweet 16 team? Or does it at least increase your hope in some way for next season? No. Uh, hang a banner 
BYU beat Creighton, who is in the Sweet 16. Hank, transitive Hank, wins are the dumbest thing ever. Um, yeah, what, <laughs> losers talk about margin and transitive oh, wins. Transitive okay? wins are so dumb. They're well, funny, listen, but they're dumb. But listen, they're fun, for sure. Uh, but BYU beat Creighton. That was a great win. Ryan Kalkbrenner, 7-1 center, didn't play in that game. Certainly a big uh, storyline in that one. <laughs> but, but, like, that was, that was BYU's best win by far. Um, Creighton takes down three-seed uh, Baylor. Hey, that was that was awesome, man. If only BYU had had a, another win or two, they would have made it in the NIT, which, by the way, brings us to this. Oh, uh, yeah, U, yeah. UVU. Uh, fellow New Big 12 homie Cincinnati, mm-hmm. uh, great Chile, uh, will be in Orem Wednesday in the NIT quarterfinals, Wednesday to play Utah Valley. Yeah. Cincy Superfan Bearcat Matt on Twitter put this up. He's Boney Fuller for Cincinnati. BYU peeps. Apparently UC will be playing Utah Valley in a few days in the NIT, so what do we have to do to convince you all to show up at Utah Valley in red and black. Then he realized the flaw in his plan. Yep. I didn't think this one through. BYU fans aren't putting on red. Would you wear Bearcat attire to Utah Valley this week? Even if it was all black, Mm. but it said Cincinnati or Bearcat. No. No. In in fact, I'm actually rooting for Utah Valley in this. Yeah, go Wolverines. Why not? I love Mark Madsen. I think they have some really fun players to watch. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Utah Valley to get back to the Orleans Arena. And the NIT Final Four. You beat Cincinnati, you're going back to the Orleans. What a privilege. Um, no, I don't wear other team stuff. I'm not a huge fan of that. It's the teams I like and nobody else. I, no, to me, that's disloyalty to <laughs> my teams. I, I don't want to do that, generally speaking. What if there's a certain great player on Utah Valley's team that wants to come play in the Big 12 for BYU, too? Who knows? Everything that's a thing is, that happens. It's free agency, often. people. It's free, and I am wearing green today. Not because I was thinking of Utah. Well, the game's on Wednesday, so we can wear green on Wednesday. I do, I do have green on. For yeah, what, I would not wear sports. UVU either. Okay, <laughs> neutral. No, white. One time, so back in the day, we did Provo and Tiffu high school games together. Um, really fun with the Kafusis, Collinsworth, so on. By the way, Chris Collinsworth, new head coach of Provo. New high. head coach of Provo. Congratulations. High. We would wear, uh, you know, those colors. They played each other, and I thought I would appease both teams. So I wore a green shirt, no orange shirt with a green tie. <laughs> Both teams hated me. Did they match? Or- you were orange and green. Did it match? Not at all. No. <laughs> I wasn't looking to match. I was looking to appease both teams, and they were both ticked were off, both which was hilarious. Go neutral. <laughs> we're black. Yeah. <laughs> BYU football listed as a 15 seed in the ESPN college football bracket, along with the likes of SMU, they beat in the New Mexico Bowl, UTSA, and Syracuse, all 15 seed guys. Hey, Bob and I. The bracket makers have the Cougars losing to two-seed Tennessee bracket. in the first round. Are the Cougars underseeded as a number 15? Well, they might be overseeded uh, because FPI and FEI had them at 64 and 65. So, yeah, you're probably about a 16 seed there. Metrics aren't everything, though, in yeah. that regard, right? The selection committee values certain quality wins. BYU beat Baylor. They, they won a bowl hard. game late. They didn't look that hard. <laughs> <laughs> the bracket maker, they don't, get, they don't care. Uh, 15 seed is fair based on what BYU did last season. Good gosh, it's March 20th. We are scrapping. 15 so is ESPN. So is ESPN. Clearly. Football brackets. They Jamal Williams. It. Good for them. Jamal Williams was introduced to the New Orleans media this weekend. He was asked if he was excited to see Taysom Hill again. Here's what he said. Oh. Oh. Taysom? Oh, I can't wait to mess with him. <laughs> it's been too long now, so I can't wait to mess with him. Don't worry. <laughs> Should Taysom be worried? Absolutely. 
More so about the fact that Jamal's wearing an Eevee hat from Pokemon. He explained who Eevee was <laughs> to the media. <laughs> there, there will be some practical jokes for sure. Uh, but frankly, I think Taysom's super excited to have yeah. Jamal back in the mix. Like, yeah. How cool is that? That is wild. You are playing together now in the NFL on the same team and both like contributing like at a high level for your teams, or so we think Jamal will in New Orleans? Now, they did co uh, compete for a couple weeks on the same team in the 2017 preseason oh, the Packers. Packers. The Packers? Yeah. This, this is different. But this it's, is different. It's very cool. Yep. Uh, Jamal later was asked if he is willing to eat a New Orleans staple, crawfish. He said he would with this caveat. <sighs> crawfish? But I don't want the head on it, though. I can't do it. I'm a little squeamish. Like, it's just the, I don't do well with dead things that are still intact with the head on it. Like, it's looking at me, I could, I just can't do it. But if it's, yeah, if somebody do it for me, then I, I'll demolish that thing. <laughs> Can we still frame Jamal's eyes there? That, that was, I, I, I would be squeamish of the same thing. Yeah, do you blame him at all for no. trying, like, the idea I need, of eating I need an it entire to be, crawfish? Yeah, entire, like with the head? What are we talking about here? You know. So Steve Young, though, who on Monday Night Countdown a couple years ago in Seattle, at, there, there's Jamal's eyes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Steve Young bit off the head of a raw fish. Yeah, I remember at this. At Pike's Place Market in Seattle. This was like a super weird moment where Steve Young uh, yeah, took care of business there back in 2017. Pretty interesting. Listen, who can blame Steve Young? <laughs> here, here it is. I'm a Seahawk. I ate Falcons for breakfast. <laughs> oh, oh. Brutal. No, no. Here's why I'm gonna give Steve a pass on this, Jerem. A pass. Because. He had just gone through the majority of watching BYU play a four and nine football season. This no, was in November no. of 2017. Yeah, it, it, right. But just go Gollum. Go in the middle. Come on. I'd bite the head off of a fish too if I had to walk a, watch a four and nine BYU football season again. Like, I feel that frustration. It was worth it. A lot of frustration. We got, we got Zach Wilson coming guys. out in that moment. It was worth Steve it. <laughs> if you dig the long ball, watch Austin Deming and his WCC leading seven homers as the baseball team takes on Utah Valley ahead of the NIT Wednesday, which apparently is a big deal on this show. Mm -hmm. 8 Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU Radio app. It's a big deal because I want BYU to be there! <sighs> Up next, which player is head coach Kalani Satake singling out as a spring standout thus far? This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, slowest run in the rock. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. We heard from several BYU football staff members and players on Friday after spring practice. So let's recap some of the best of what we saw and heard, beginning with this from Kalani Satake, naming Tyler Batty on that defensive line as a dude that is turning heads. I've been really impressed with Tyler Batty. He's done some really good things in spring just way further ahead than, than I, I thought he would be and uh, he's starting to really come into his own and I don't usually um, talk about individuals but I, I think he's a guy that stands out quite a bit and, and Isaiah Biden now is doing a great job too so uh, and then you put in all the other guys that are in the mix Blake Mangelson and, and you know uh, Ice Moa and 
um, Newton, and, and um, I mean, there's quite a bit of guys, Michael Daly, guys that, that we can think can get can get us some uh, some valuable reps and, and get that that DN position really solid. Hey, I love to hear that, especially with what we talked about earlier. The biggest question mark for me still remains to be the, or to be seen, and, and right now it's the defensive line. But Tyler Batty, as a dude that, in Kalani's words, is just way ahead of everyone else. That's great news. Batty, Banya, Nelson, let's get those guys going. Jackson Cravens, come on. But I like that Batty's yeah. leading that group. Yeah, Batty had one sack last year, certainly not enough. Would love to see him in the four or five range uh, and, and more havoc, right? Or TFLs and tackles for loss. Yeah, seven. Uh, yeah, uh, one and the same. Uh, yeah, seven in the last two years, um, you know, uh, each of the last two years. Yeah, just more havoc, more forced fumbles, more sacks, more batted balls, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Keaton Slovis uh, said he likes where he is uh, in his timing with the receivers so far. I think it's been really good so far. There's still like a few routes, you know, the double moves and stuff like that. Everyone's a little different, so you need a lot of reps with those guys. Um, and I'm not saying those that's where it is needs to be by um, – right now it's not where it needs to be by, you know, first game, but um, it's close and it's there and uh, we'll get better and better as the season comes. I'm not really worried about it because, shoot, whenever those guys want to throw – or whenever I want to throw, those guys are always out there getting reps in. So we'll get ironed out. But I feel like most of the stuff, um, Fessy has those guys so dialed in that uh, makes my job as a quarterback easy. I know where their spot's going to be. I kind of just throw it to a spot, and they're usually there. I'm telling you, Keaton Slovis, the biggest difference BYU fans will notice immediately in the passing game is his ability to dissect the middle of the field. You will notice that immediately. He is so good, timing routes coming over the middle, Tight end's going to be busier, I would think, based on that. But you will see an immediate difference. Sorry, Dallin Holker. Jaron Hall was incredible at attacking the edges of the field. And he yes, had amazing. the receiver to do it at a high level in Puka Nakua. Keaton Slovis is, I mean, he's so accurate. And we've heard this from John Beck. This is, it won't be a surprise. I'm just reminding you all. You'll see his ability to hit the middle of the field's mid-range passes and dissect the defense that way. It's going to be fun to watch. No, what Jaron did great was explosiveness and efficiency. Um, you, may, you may lose um, and ball control, right? Um, yeah, rarely turned it over. Yeah. What Keaton does great may not be what Jaron did great, right? So you may lack in one place, but you gain in another. Sure, sure. So we'll, we'll see. All right, let's keep it rolling with BYU defensive tackle Caden Haas who spoke specifically about new defensive coordinator Jay Hill and said he may actually be the Energizer Bunny. He is all over the place. Even in the weight room, everything. He comes in and works out with us. I mean, he's just all over the place. He's just, I don't know, you can call him an Energizer Bunny kind of. He, he really is just all over the place, encouraging guys, teaching everybody, whether that's even coaches up the offense sometimes, you know. So it's nice. He, I mean, head coach for a long time, and adding that type of personality to our staff is huge. I watched Jay Hill in the New Mexico Bowl. I stood next to him for a large portion of the game on the sideline and watched his interactions with the players. Again, he was like specifically not wearing a headset. He didn't want to. He just wanted to watch the players and celebrate with them. And his, his energy is absolutely infectious. And he can't help himself. I mean, he's celebrating with the dudes. But we're seeing this in spring ball, too, where he's sprinting onto the field in some instances and smacking guys on the side of the helmet and then running back off like, that's just who he is. It's a different style, and the players obviously are taking to it. They like it. Well, because he's cooped up in his car for 90 minutes driving from Ogden still. Uh, so he's got all this juice to him. He's got to stretch County. his legs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, join us for a full day of BYU football on March 31st. going to be awesome. Two-hour Alumni Day special at noon Eastern, 5 Eastern, the spring scrimmage. 
Watch the Cougars in spring practice. Oh yeah. Seven Eastern, the alumni game, guaranteed to be fun. All on BYU TV. It's fantastic. Pro Day coming up next Friday too. Love it. After the break, rise and shout out to an unforgettable record-breaking season. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The show's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. You're going to need it this week because we have like 10 games, baseball, softball, oh, yeah, men's volleyball. Sure. Hopefully the weather allows, of course, as we mentioned. But subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well. Our question of the day, how heavily does BYU basketball need to rely on the transfer portal for early success in the Big 12, our I elite? I do want to mention something real quick. Okay. Maybe the uh, maybe the class wasn't uh, you know conducive to that this year, perhaps. I'm going to allow that. A right? high school class? If there wasn't a guy that really fit. But yeah. it just seems like there'd be someone out there. That is all. Okay, okay. Yeah. So maybe it's not all in on the high school. Like, yeah, know. it's not like a hard and fast rule, of course. But it, ju it just concerns me that in three years, maybe BYU doesn't have that sort of foundational depth. Yeah, happens again next year, have. then we can get concerned. Then there'd be an issue. Yeah. All right, our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Again, the transfer portal. Clyde Livingstone on Twitter says, beam us up a couple of really good ones. Warp speed, Scotty. Then reset all expectations and transport us to the Big 12 with all systems go. That is Ion Television referenced Star Trek. <laughs> I can't do it, Captain! <laughs> My dad loves the OG Star Trek going on. Uh, and the next generation. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Lauren Gustin, uh, just what a, what a season. We saw a single season, uh, you know, incredible records, WCC, BYU. Finished, uh, you know, what did she finish in, in the NCAA? Number one, rebounds per game. Rebounds, well, I mean, the single season record. She oh, was seventh yeah. going so in. So she was 12 shy of breaking the all-time single season incredible. record. Amazing, incredible. Congratulations to her. It's amazing. I'm mad that she didn't get one more game to break it. Yeah. Our thanks to today's guest, Kelly Papinga. Sorry to Dennis, ran out of time, man. Conversation continues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check out BYUSN.com for all the on-demand stuff. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout out to John Ross. We'll see you tomorrow back here for another edition. Ben Bywater still running in New Mexico. Go Cougs.